name is Colin DeGraff from Cold Open Stories, and welcome to the Hobby Happy Hour. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Hobby Happy Hour with Bob and Jono. Today we have an incredibly special episode with the one and the only Colin. If you'd like to say hello, Colin. Hello, hello. I, I am happy I can say the only. No one quite has that combination of first name, last name that I've met yet. So I can say I'm the only. I've Googled myself enough <laughs> out of fear of, you know, what might be out there. Happy to say you would just find a lot of cool stuff for cold open stories. Which is uh, which is a, a massive plus. I think we've all gone down the uh, the Googling our own names. Unfortunately, mine is far too common to come up with anything uh, of any interest whatsoever. So you're hiding um, in plain sight then. That's what I hear. I am hiding in plain sight. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So we've uh, we brought you on the show today just to have a, a little catch up with you, Colin. I mean, we're big fans. Um, no, thank you. And big fans. Uh, we've I've listened to Cold Open Stories. I've listened to every episode. Um, I know my my colleague Jono has also um, done exactly the same thing. Yes, yes, I have. Very, um, very, very, very big fan. I'm a bit giddy at the moment, but yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I think we we both are. I think you can almost uh, hear the uh, slight nervousness in my uh, in my voice as we are. They're 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 yeah. sitting across across from the table from me, listeners. They are shaking. I'm not entirely sure what's happening. They're, they're sweating profusely. <laughs> it's a sweat dripping off of my body. It's um not quite as good as the Christina Aguilera song, but um it'll uh, it'll do. It'll you'll do. get there. It's okay. You'll get there. I just gotta work for it. Just gotta work for it one day. Oh God. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, derailment. <laughs> So yeah, we brought you on today just to um, have a little chat about your your armies, you know, about your hobbying experiences within uh, the wonderful world of 40k. Um, yeah, and just get a, a general feel for any maybe hints and tips that you could give our, our avid listeners. Certainly. I mean, uh, happy to be here. I just was able to sit down uh, last night and do some hobbying for what seems like the first time in a long time. A lot of the, the creative efforts Ooh. that I'm involved with in the hobby aren't painting related, full disclosure. Uh, what, uh-huh. uh, what my work is is specifically within uh, production design. And I'm the creative director for Cold Open Stories. And what we do mm-hmm. is we uh, produce uh, fan fiction, um, audio dramas. We have a fast fiction writing contest. And we do short story anthologies. And Warhammer 40,000 is one of the environments in which we, we operate. It's one of the universes that we uh, kind of have brought a magnifying glass to to say, you know, what can we what can we do with the setting? And so all of the work that we do is about really mm-hmm. throwing the, the reader or the listener directly into the action, you know, to build up a sense of danger, humor, or mystery. And uh, it's all built by fans with uh, support for editorial. Uh, with the writing contest, we have judges from around the Warhammer community. And the audio dramas, I would like to say, is just such has been such an incredible journey to, to build these t- uh, together because we are using voice actors from around the mm-hmm. industry, both, you know, veterans and newcomers, to tell immersive fiction and it has just been a incredible experience to to see the feedback we've received for all of these projects oh yeah for sure and i think um i I know personally i've sort of followed you from for for quite a while actually to be fair um like that's added super stalkery i Um, i mean like yeah it was before the uh the dramas came out you know you you just uh you got a friend request you just kind of were like i don't know this person and then the flowers arrived in the mail i'm like all right well that sounds nice i'll take that Yep, 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 for sure. And that's how it begins. And now I'm just everywhere. I'm just 
Absolutely. You're you're here right now. I'm I'm quite concerned. <laughs> Sweating and uh, shaking. Yeah. Uh, um, from your from your perspective, then, because I know that like I, I don't want to be throwing out like testimonials. You, you know, to the listener of this show, what is your opinion of why does cold open story? Why is it something that you should check out? Because it's gonna it's gonna no. you, people are gonna find different things from the website, uh, from what we do across socials. There's different ways to engage. So I, I pose that to both of you. I mean, for for me personally, I mean, the audio dramas are are very well done, amazing quality. Um, the stories themselves are really, really cool. We'll maybe go into a little bit more depth about each episode. Um, maybe talk about sort of like how you'd maybe want to put some of those into model form, perhaps. But we'll we'll move on to that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the thing that really did it for your project and what you've done for me personally is um, you got me to write. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't written anything since school, mm-hmm. um, and. I think I saw, oh, sorry, I heard um, your stuff on, on Lawhammer, which um, obviously we need to give a little nod to because that's how me and John know each other. And that's how I first listened to uh, Cold Open Stories. And um, yeah, it inspired me to write. And I sent something through and you gave me feedback. And although I wasn't successful in the, the submission, it's fine. Um, he's just, he's just, you just had to pad that one in there. No, it's like it's all grown. It's, no, like yeah. let's be, let's be fair. It's anything to to put pen to paper or to put your fingers to the keyboard for the for the first time doing anything. It it is a uh, a piece of your personal growth and development. Absolutely, a one hundred percent. But I, I I think for me because I've I've chucked a couple of submissions in. I've done a couple of voice submissions as well. But the way that your team handle feedback, I think, is amazing um it's it's so constructive it's so um and i think it sort of gives a a a massive inclination to sort of the quality that you guys are looking for you know you're not just accepting anything it's Mm got to be it's got to be spot on and i think you can you can see that in the final product well thank you i I appreciate that and that you know we're, we're always fighting kind of the uphill battle of when people think about fan fiction you know there's this sort of assumption that oh it's it's derivative it's trite it's you know it could be shoddy uh, oh no it's Rebuke Gilliman and Yvrain and it, it's their romance story and that's the first thing that people go to but I'm like who's to say that's a story about that couldn't be good you know like what's to say that you know we we've had some very interesting uh, submissions specifically within the uh, the fast fiction contest because that's a prompt theme but within the anthologies is where people have more room and space in the word count to really expand the setting and to do things that you wouldn't be able to normally receive through you know yeah. picking up something through black library you know we have stories of civilian life very rarely will you get those tales in this particular way because one everyone has their own unique way to tell a story and second because we're not trying to push a model line we're able to kind of ruminate and spend more time on on Mm -hmm. stories worth telling that maybe wouldn't otherwise get the attention yeah for sure for sure and uh what what about you jono um, uh, to me, it has to be like, for one, the level of production quality in the uh, audio dramas. Mm. It's just spot on. It's I think it's second to none, really. Um, yeah, it, like you, you get the immersive, immersiveness in like Black Library audiobooks, but it's just voice acting um, <laughs> and someone reading. Whereas in like Cold Open Stories, it's like you know the whole hog. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it just sucks you in and just creates so much like atmosphere. I think it's just yeah, I can't praise it enough. I've told so many people about yeah, it for sure. Yeah, we'll be sending those checks your way. Just, <laughs> thank you um yeah um and i think again sorry just for me as well it's that the tales of the little guy 
Um, I think when I first started getting back into the hobby again, I think the thing that did me was like, you don't really hear anything about like chaos cultists or, or the, the little people. Um, mm-hmm. And they're the most numerous. And like, imagine being just a regular human in that galaxy, it, like with literal gods. Um, yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, Amazing. yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's like when you, you know, if you're, if you're a comic reader and all of a sudden there's like a one-off issue about a person living in New York when the Avengers are blowing stuff up or, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're in another franchise like Dark Horse. I, I love the um, the BPRD and Hellboy series. And sometimes you get stories about just people uh, and they get elevated and there's just yeah. some interesting development there because the stakes are different. You know, you, when I know yep. that even today we saw like a promo for Godblight and you've got Reboot uh, Gilliman and Mortarion on the <sighs> and you're like okay so uh for the status quo neither of these guys are going to actually die and things are going to move along ahead because there's become this expectation to the setting however when you have for example a a looter a pirate who gets uh trapped by the adeptus mechanicus and forced to go on their pilgrimage back to the Mm -hmm. holy world of mars bets are off like you know there is no indication of what is actually going to happen because it's a it's a story in a bottle you know you can you can say this is self-contained uh, you still have to have those original and personal stakes. And I think that that's something that we've been able to, to achieve as we, we move forward with even our next two dramas coming up, which are, you know, will bring us to a healthy 10 on the, the site. Ooh. And uh, that's a, a celebratory number. We should do something special for that. But um, all of these are, are, you know, you're looking between about 30 minutes to serialized ones, about an hour and uh, oh, about two hours, just shy of two hours. So, you know, it is really like having a, a film, a theater for the mind that you're able to engage with and you get those smaller stories, whether it's a, you know, a, a, a reader for the propaganda living in the administratum or you're a trader guardsman who's yep. kind of getting sucked down this uh, this journey towards, you know, hellish motivations. Yeah, <laughs> it's like cool. it, is, it is very cool. Um, that I, that actually brings up a good point with what you were talking about with army construction and painting because... At some point, I think a lot of us, we pick up the models. And this is my own assumption. It worked for me. You know, I picked up a model because there was a character. I, my very first 40K model was Belisarius Call. And I'm just like, okay, this is, you know, a wild model. I can see the character. There's a richness to it. I pick it up. Rad. Okay. But there was a character attached to it. When you start building a lot, you know, all right, all right. So it's Guitari number 78. Um, you kind of, yeah, yeah, you kind of yeah, start yeah. to to lose some of that. And for for myself, what I've done is I'm like, well, how can I make each of these unique? So that's when I started doing kit bashing, created my Skatari Marshal before those were a thing, uh, did some more customization for my tech priests, which as an army, Mechanicus suit themselves very well to kit bashing and creating your own. Yep, we certainly do. Um, but there's just something great about saying, you know, it's not just about painting models. It's who is this character? Who is this individual? Yeah, they might die, you know, every time you play them on the tabletop. But in the moment that you're painting them, you're kind of injecting a piece of yourself, your your drama for them, your motivations for them, like, you know, how similar or different they are to you. There's just something really mm-hmm. f- exciting about taking that piece of yourself and putting it into a, you know, millimeters tall plastic figure oh yeah for sure yeah for sure and i think when you've got that little story behind that um that character as well i think you put so much more effort into getting that result if you get what i mean like from the paint job to like basing and just the whole piece on the whole Mm -hmm. because you're like oh yeah this is i can't think of a name off the top of my head this is steve he's the mighty chaos warrior um but you you you, you, you care really you care striking about Steve. dread into the hearts of everyone uh, Steve well you know you can't all have yeah. cool names you know no, that's um, actually the, true I will I will I will you know concede to that 
Yeah, it's like um, here is a uh, Chaos Lord Bob. Here he is. It's um, yeah, fear me. Ah, <laughs> would have to be a Night Lord because of his stalking tendencies. But I do agree. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Because who doesn't love painting lightning uh, all over armor? You know, a cheeky little bit of freehand that is a requirement of the uh, the uh, the chapter paint piece. I, I will say, of of all of the paint, more of a squat. blue. I, I, I there's some great you know richness for for blue on the tabletop. My my Mechanicus army is uh, is a creamy white, and mm-hmm. um, for. The story of how I got to this is just dreadful. When I had first picked up the models, I did not know that black rattle can primer existed. So I picked myself up a Vallejo hand primer. You know, I brushed on all my primer and I'm like, well, it's black. I have used a black primer. I must now paint my way up to white. So I started with a cream all the way up to a white and then, you know, doing some shading and then white again. We're when you know a lot of people. Are, oh, two thin coats. I'm like, we're on, we're on like coat number like 17 by this point. It just <laughs> takes a lot to really flatten that out. So I suppose in retrospect, uh, what would you have done differently? How would you approach it now if you were to redo your Admech army? Uh, I would have made them re- uh, Mars red at this point. No, um, <laughs> just change the entire thing. I, I will say actually, because of the theme for them, so mine are all based on a, uh, a frozen tundra base. There's there's ice that I've done with a crackle resin, um, and there's snow and stuff like that. The white works very well, and in my mind, it is still a, a Martian force that's just you know they're not going to be absolutely absurd and go to a planet and not you know put some camouflage on their uh, their materials, mm-hmm. but. But um, I think that really it would have been just to to experiment differently. I, I do look at my arm. I'm like, yeah, I, I could have done this in red, but it would have changed the aesthetic completely. You know, uh, yep. I'm not sure what I would have changed. Contrasts have come out, but I find that you know that works very well for organics. For an army like the Mechanicus, it would work for the metals, but for things like robes or a lot of the flat surfaces like the the Scorpius or the Dune Crawler or Dune Rider, it d- doesn't have the same weight to it. It just looks really muddy and. I would love to learn more about how to do weathering for a snow tundra. My army is pretty clean, uh, but I've been doing a lot more experimenting with just kind of dirtying them up a little bit more. And that's just my journey, you know, get some things look really crisp. And next step is what did you learn? You know, we'll take that to the next model. And what do you want to try? You know, what's, what's different? Oh, I want to do a little bit more of, you know, a muzzle flare on a, on a gun. Mm, yep. So you start to experiment with different shades and, yeah, that's it's it's just kind of iterative. Like every model that you do is just helping you build up your capacities for the next one you're going to do. Whether it's you know you can do a model faster. Like I can bust out a Skitari now, and you know the time it takes me to finish the sentence. So, which is great because now they are all over the tabletop. But um, it's don't be afraid to try something new, and also just to like mm-hmm. if it's not working, like dump it in your your paint stripper and do it again. I mean. Well, let's be fair. It's n- not a inexpensive hobby, and trying new things is very welcome. You know, but sometimes you need to be okay with like, oh, that's mediocre. That doesn't mean that you're bad. It just means it didn't come out the way that your your vision was at, in relation to your talent. So strip it, do it again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. I know we sort of quite regularly talk about. Well, personally, I actually keep um, all of my old models so I can sort of look back and see my progress. Um, except mm-hmm. for one, which I sold on eBay because it was poor. It was a poor effort and it upsets me. So, um, and that's my my only foray into ultramarines. And we will uh, leave it at that. Oh, oh, run hard. It was a, it was a contest piece. It was a friendly contest. I lost. I am a terrible loser because um, I'm highly competitive. Um, so it's uh, yeah. 
winging its way you over to a new it? a new owner. Did you sell it? Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Oh my god! They don't, they don't upset me that much. I, w- I wanted I wanted you to hold on to that piece as like a reminder of you bowing down to my whim. Yeah, no. All I see is your face looking down <laughs> at me and, and laughing sneeringly um, from your perch. Oh. He still he still wakes up uh, from oh. like a, a dead sleep, just like bolts upright, like shaking, trembling, sweating. He's like, "Oh, I'm not stuck anyone. I just had a nightmare." <laughs> Remembering this model. <laughs> it's all right. The nightmare will end soon. <laughs> Here's a, here's a question yeah. for you then, and for, for the listener. Uh, what is your opinion on painting competitions? Ooh, that's interesting. I, I personally um, love when them. You say, like, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you say painting contests, like, what what sort of range are you? I'm not talking like, like you know you're entering as just a painter to be like you know golden demon level. I I mean more along the lines of like let's say you're you're playing in like a friendly friendly game. And maybe you have like a, a garage tournament or maybe it's at a store or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, my, my opinion is that, you know, if I, if I fully paint it to my standard, I win at the end of the day, because first of all, I am not running around with gray plastic. You know, I was able to paint all my oh, stuff, for sure. yeah. but it's interesting because in the very sparse examples I've had of, of people going in, you know, I don't think anyone's been disappointed to not get first place. I mean, first place is amazing when it's like, all right, in this tournament, we will be giving the painting award to X. But I think there's just such a pride because you spend long enough, you know, haunched over these plastic figures, imbuing them oh, with yeah. personality that it's like, you know, who's it really for? Like, w- would you look at a painting score for anything and just be like, this doesn't matter. Like, it's just for me. That's the attitude I take. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree in theory, and I think ninety nine percent of the time, <laughs> You're like, any, but I like any competition, win, you know, <laughs> it's like, but I, I, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, if it was just a regular competition with with anybody else other than Jono, it would be yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, cool, yeah, that's fine. I don't mind losing this. That's that's fine. Mm-hmm. But um, it just makes it all the more sweeter for me. So much. <laughs> <laughs> I think with painting contests and that sort of, I think one. Like, if you're doing it for yourself, like, you just enjoy the ride and the process. Um, and don't, I think it doesn't, winning is great, but it's not everything. I mean, and if you stretch your abilities just that little bit further, you know, in the midst of trying to win the competition, I mm-hmm. think that's a great win in its own, even if you don't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it can help push you to uh, to try something different and it can maybe try outside of your comfort zone. Like again, I would have no reason to paint, paint an ultramarine ever um, yeah. if if it were not for that competition other than the ones that are on the bases, of course. But um, <laughs> the, uh, but, um, but what about you, Colin? Uh, have you have you ever entered any cheeky little painting competitions? Just, just one. And I put a lot... Lo- Put it this way, I put a lot more emphasis into my my model conversions. I don't think I'm the best painter, um, but mm-hmm. I know that one of the rewarding feelings is when someone looks at a model and they're like, "I actually don't know all the parts from which this was you know, yeah. bled into yep. our reality." It's it that is far more exciting 
and I think that Adeptus Mechanicus pulled very well from you know the the fantasy line and Sigmar line to be able to to do some great conversions with characters that have robes or more you know fabric textiles that you can mix with the the futuristic metals. Uh, orcs are another great army that you can for their vehicles. You can just make some crazy oh, stuff. Sure. And mm-hmm. and I think with with green stuff and a lot of uh, a lot of experience, you can really build up some great stuff that are kind of between the the chaos line. And and, and Tyranid, they would kind of be my, my third place to, to say, you know, you can do some some great conversion work. I would love for there mm-hmm. to be more more options and things to do with uh, with Eldar, Dark Eldar, but I think you have to get a little bit more uh, creative with how to actually assemble those, and you diverge from the, the traditional line, of course. But mm-hmm. it, yeah. it, it's such a, for me, it's really a great hobby to be like, oh, I'm going to make up a character, and then you just are able to either do the bit by bit hunt online or maybe yep. you just like ruffle through your, your tool shed yep. of, of pieces <laughs> and say, and now this is X and you've come up with the, the character. And I, I love that. Uh, I would, I would enter more like modeling, you know, like, Hey, here's here, let's show off what we've yeah. done yeah, for yeah, conversions. Yeah, for sure. And then I would also come to the table with a QR code and be like, and listen to their audio drama here. And the people yeah. would be like, this is a little excessive. <laughs> That's a great idea, though. I like it. It, it genuinely um, is. I, th- I think, like, with kit, kit bashing and painting, I think I keep them as two separate entities. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoy I enjoy painting. And I enjoy watching someone paint. Like, I don't really watch a lot of it, but like, I've just started to, like, foray into it. And I enjoy watching good painters paint. Obviously, like, you can't sit there and watch four hours of painting. But I really, really enjoy watching people customize and kit bash models. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I find it absolutely fascinating. Oh, it's it, it, to be able to see, like the when you see a really good one, one that captures your imagination. Yeah. Ask mm-hmm. why. You know why is why yeah. is this so good? And I think it's because there's just some some imagination there that you're just like I, I cannot believe yeah. you know that they were able to to harmonize this look it's it's wild yeah, for sure yeah oh yeah 110 percent um i tell you what i tell you what talk to me about your admec army then so we, we've discussed a little bit about it and we've sort of gone over sort of the themes that you've gone for you know we've got the white paint job why did you go for admec what was your out of all the armies was it the conversion opportunities that drew, drew you in or it was it was just the, the 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 wild and strangeness of seeing something that you haven't seen before, you know, like in the mm-hmm. same in the same way that someone maybe sees you know the very first Star Wars when it comes out in theaters, or maybe they're horrified by the movie Aliens, or and I'm picking sci-fi reliably <laughs> as this this trope, is that when you see something that imaginatively has not even been done before, pick something recent. You know, let's let's not be old old fellows for a second. Let's pick you know for a, a kid who would have okay. seen <laughs> the movie Transformers for the very first time, mm-hmm. the Michael Bay film, and the idea of cars becoming giant robots. There is a lot of imagination in that. And when I I had actually heard of 40k before, my sort of origin story was you know i'd had a, a gal pal her boyfriend played uh, warhammer and at one point she was like hey you should come meet him at the store and i went there and it was you know ages ago it was like uh, orcs versus ultramarines was the box set that they had at the store and he's like yeah yeah i'll play orcs you can play ultramarines i'm like oh awesome thanks for teaching me the rules and then he just like unceremoniously like curb stomps me and makes it not an engaging experience at all. <laughs> yeah. And and I was just devastated. I'm like, forget this. I'd never want to be a part of this. And it was only, you know, like 20 years later when 
you know, I, I'm walking past a, a store and I saw it was the Gathering Storm and it was Celestine, Inquisitor Greyfax, and Belisarius Call. And mm-hmm. that image made me do the whole diving into a, you know, a Wikipedia, you know, Lexicanum and like just going down that, that rabbit hole. Like, what did I just look yeah. at and seeing all the, the creativity and the innovation and the storytelling? I was like, all right, that's, that's where I'm going to be to start. And I picked up Call very quickly realized that things are better done in sub assemblies when you have that many fiddly parts um, <laughs> yeah. the black primer story you know um but that's that's where i started was just because i i love that aesthetic of you know taking specifically for admic taking something that is cybernetic and post-human and the idea that we are sacrificing a lot of our humanity to achieve something and mm. then you wrap it in the trappings of religion and dogma and superstition. Mm. And there's just a great contrast there for storytelling. I, I like, I'm very much a, a man of the hyphens. I like to smash two things together. So it's like, you know, if you have a, a supernatural <laughs> Western or if you have a romantic thriller, you know, like take two things yep. that may like just be like, does it blend? Is this the peanut butter and jelly story? Two great things that taste great, but when you put them together, you can create something new. That worked for me. It worked for my aesthetics. It worked for the ways that I love stories. And that's why when I looked at the Mechanicus and I'm like, what are these, you know, there's some biomimicry, like the dune crawler looks like a crab. And you're like, well, you know, the, you've got the, yep. now you've got the, the dog soldiers of the raiders, those servitors. You're like, there's just something interesting going on here. I love the contrast. And that's yeah, what, that's cool what interested models. me. So that's where I kind of came down and picking this army and my problem now is that having worked on the audio dramas and the anthologies the the kind of guiding principle is what makes this army cool and so any single one of these it's about you know what is what is their checklist of what makes them interesting and so it's become very difficult not to indulge and to want to just go whole hog whenever we get to the next story or the faction I think the worst it got was actually on the Counterfeit Blade, which is our Eldar story that takes place both in the 40K timeline as well as back in the War in Heaven with when the ancient Eldari and the Necrontier are at war. Um, yep. And just being like, I don't need to, you know, kit bash the hell out of this, maybe? Or I do? <laughs> like, I think I think I get more excited now with that there's a new kill team and it's a lot more palatable to say, I'm going to play with, you know, a group of 10 models rather than... Yep two full display cases of like, you know, 8,000 points. It's just a little bit more manageable (laughs) to say, you know, how do I inject my characters into a setting and how do I actually play a game? I don't have much time to play anymore. So if I do, I just want to be something interesting. But uh, storytelling and painting are kind of the the primary forms of engagement at this point, kit bashing too. Nice. I empathize. Um, (laughs) I I think as well, I think it's really interesting. So when... Did you, you started with the Admech Army and then, because I think it's interesting to see the connection with the audio dramas. Yeah, so the the so, army, the army construction came first and then that's mm-hmm. when I started to like, at, you know, be like, well, what is my army? What is my fluff? What is my backstory for them? And like, yes. it came upon the, the character of Hieronymia Bosch, who is the yep. lead, yep. one of the leads from the, the audio drama. And then and this is from a cog in crimson. A cog in crimson, yeah. And, and it just yes. sort of started to spill out from there was I, I, had this you know shelf army and that's creating and start to add characters and add motivations for them and it turned into the audio drama and then by this point um the transition to the audio dramas was you know what army it, it kind of reversed rather than the models first and becoming the dramas it then became well what's the story what's the drama that i could then 
trick myself into saying, yeah, I'll, I'll buy the models for that. And that seems like a reasonable <laughs> thing to do. And then I never got back to the models. It just became about creating these dramas and, and working with artists and actors and doing our, our music and sound design and creating these immersive experiences. And so to date, what we've done is we've, we're, it's kind of like a, a checklist per, per faction. So we've done the, um, Oh, we've done an Ordo. It's it's effectively Imperial Navy, but it's kind of split with Ordo Malleus. We've done Imperial Knights, the Adeptus Sororitas, Adeptus Mechanicus. We've done Mm -hmm. Gene Stealer Cults and your everyday Imperial Citizen. We've done the uh, Eldar, so Craft World, Ancient Eldari. A little bit of Necron in there, but they're not the the protagonist. We've then done uh, Traitor Guardsmen and uh, followers of Slanesh, which is I, I really feel that Traitor Guard do not get represented enough. I mean, we have so many things about just wild cultists, but to have an army that is both highly capable, militarized, and you've incorporated a chaos theme is something that really spoke to me. of like, this is such a rich area that doesn't get tapped enough. And that became the, the, the drama Hounds of Bedlam. Um, mm-hmm. Yesterday's news is, which, is the Administratum. And then now we're on Hunter's Watch, which is uh, our Tao mm-hmm. and Guayla. Uh, or Guayvesa story. And right after that, we have our Drukari uh, tale, which is, I, I can create a, a film, you know, analog to what each of them is like if people are sort of like, you know, why would you like this? What's the theme like? And I will quickly say that um, our Drukari Dark Eldar story is becoming something that's very hard to classify because it is just, it's <laughs> a, a very unkind, unloving story to to the yep. victims of it. But we're really following it from the perspective of a... Um, uh, Drakari just trying to, you know, keep his, you know, fend off the, the that siphoning away of his soul. It just becomes grimmer and more deeply motivated by, you know, by personality rather than, you know, world building. Got to keep it related to the character drama at all costs. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that, actually, because um, I know we did a recent episode on Drakari where I uh, tried to convince Jono that they're actually a lot more interesting than people give them credit <laughs> for. Um because I think they get a bit of a bad rep for being maybe a little bit too edgy. Um, mm-hmm. I think every but, faction uh, gets an oversimplification moment because it's people who don't play the army. They don't get into the books, the lore. You know, so, For example, let's yeah. throw another faction out there. The Tau. The Tau yeah, are sure. maligned by much of the community because of the joke of, mm-hmm. oh, it's the Tau. You know? it, it, and all of the 40K codexes and stuff are written from the point of view of imperial mm-hmm. propaganda. So why you have to kind of dive into that. Why do people actually like the Tau? And by engaging in the different uh, forums and the community and, and different members, what you quickly find is that it, it really is the, the idea of Star Trek within the Warhammer 40,000 universe. And there's been some backpedaling and changes mm-hmm. over the last few years to make them a little more nuanced of like, things are not all above board, you know, br- uh, mind control and, and stuff. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've had their grim dark moments. They have. Um, but know. a guiding principle really is is that it's that that optimistic but also naive perspective of themselves in a galaxy that is much bigger and much darker than they know. And so oh, sure. there's an, all the interesting culture attached with that. It's also a coalition. So you get different alien species, which you might not otherwise uh, get. There's mm-hmm. just some some great stuff in there to say what makes this army cool. Why would you want to collect or play or read more about this? But when people see it, they go, "Cool, you know, blue aliens, uh, mecha suit go burr." You know, like it, it becomes an <laughs> oversimplification. And so, everything that we've done with the the anthologies, contests, the audio dramas is really about to say, like, if if you're gonna pick this up, 
we're going to show you something new or different that is beyond surface value. We're going to really try to dig into some of the interesting components of what makes this cool. For sure. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think we both agree um, with, with that sort of perspective. I know I do. I've been working on a, like a squat Gavessa um, squad for a while. I've got them all primed up now, ready to paint. Um, but th this, I think with a lot of them, there's so many like subtle nuances that you can pick up on. Like with the Jakari, you've got sort of the beast, beast masters, beast tamers. Mm -hmm. um, and they give, in a very similar way to how the Tau have sort of the greater good, so you could do any army. Um, John, if you cast your mind back to the my personal favorite, which was the shrimp people. Um, <laughs> I um, Like you have so much creative freedom and then you can use the Tau to create whatever alien species that you want and then incorporate them into sort of the Tau-esque, clean, almost sort of, I guess, moral, as good as you're going to get in 40k. Um, or you can flip it over, go to the Beastmasters who are lorically supposedly tame uh, space marines so have been known to do that mm -hmm. um and have whatever alien species you want but with that gritty dark i guess evil i say in quote marks um that you get from the sort of the jukari mm -hmm. and it's not just the the jukari like every faction has some really great story beats or nuances that you can you can pull from right like i think for for the drukari it's what are what motivations can you pull from like look at um the, the cruel fates the horrible deaths and the god ungodly painful existence within all the setting mm -hmm. but then all of those are preferable to the dark eldar taking you alive <laughs> like there's it's just something there that's <laughs> it's like all right a lot of that has to be done within your imagination to be like if all of that's bad and then these guys take you what would be worse and some of it is is beneficial by saying you know what's not explicitly said but because we're also dealing with an audio drama um setting your imagination will be able to to fill in the gaps and i and i'm, I'm really quite concerned because we we went places within um hounds of bedlam to really yep, try to get under sure. people's skin and now you're really dealing with the dedicated de facto <laughs> faction of you know getting under people's skin literally and figuratively, <laughs> and and I'm I'm really yeah. enjoying the experience of trying to like build out like well how do they actually mess with your mind? It's not just about throwing hooks under your skin and turning your rib cage into a chandelier while you're still <laughs> alive. You know, it's it's about trying to say well how are they going to mess with your brain? And we've hit on something that's very interesting and very true to the to the faction that I'm looking forward to. But before we get there, we've We've got another nine dramas. One is coming for uh, for release soon. That's uh, Hunter's Watch, our Tau story. Uh, there's just a lot of great uh, great stuff that people can find something hopefully very different each each time. Oh yeah, I, th I think yeah, we can attest to that as well. I'm super looking forward to the Dark Order now. <laughs> oh no, no pressure. That one will that one will be coming soon. But uh, it's it oh, wow. it's it's. I mean, take a look at like motivations of what stories have done very well to for both. Again, I'm I'm I work within hyphens, so I say, well, what things can I smash together? And I think that one of the very first yeah. things that came to mind for for example with Hunter's Watch uh, was okay, take a look at what the nuances of were of old samurai film and smash that with mm -hmm. 40k because we know that there's a lot of influence of uh, Chinese, Japanese, Korean culture within the design of the Tao. But one of the things that I, I found interesting yeah. was also some Bulgarian history and, and take a look at like okay. the, the military history. And you're actually going to hear some Bulgarian tones in the music as well. Um, the the uh, polyphony, polyphony, however you want to pronounce it. but uh, And also the coalition, you know, what do you get from different cultures and alien species working together? It's a very rich environment to, to play with. But 
one of the things that hit for that story was about deprogramming. And one of the characters, okay. a, a human, is of the Imperium. They join the, the Tau. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, uh, humans, they just pick up arms and they join the Tau very easily. And yes, that can exist. But for the story that we were looking at, it's, well, how do you deprogram someone out of something which is ostensibly a death cult that they've grown up with? How do you yeah, how do you yeah. rewrite indoctrination? And so I went down this very interesting rabbit hole of, of doing research for real world cults and how people stay in them or want to go back to them after they've you know yeah. they've escaped. And I think that those would be some very true human motivations when we take a look at the Imperium of of mankind. That's kind of the the analogy of how you know the process works in in developing this is when we take a look at the Drukari, mm -hmm. it would be very easy to go, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna you know watch Jacob's ladder and throw a paint of a dark elder over top of it, <laughs> and that would probably work. Yeah. But yeah, probably. Yeah. But but there has to be some more of like, well, what is the character motivation? What feels real? And it's a it's very difficult for uh, for Xenos because we're supposed to think of them as this alien other. I don't think the motivations would be other. I think the execution would be just wholly different to what human interests would be. And that's at least how I how I approach the setting. So hopefully I can get you jazzed for, for both of them. Um, but yeah, Dark Dark Eldar is going to be something I think very, very special just because your imagination is going to be filling in a lot of the gaps when you listen. And that's, a, as we've seen with Hounds of Bedlam, that's a very quick way to mm -hmm. get an audience to you know be offering, you know, uh, five-star review of made me very ill, you know, like I was so disgusted. <laughs> I, you know, this was, this made me feel gross, you know, don't listen to while eating. There's, there's some moments like that that have occurred. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I know Hounds of Bedlam is a personal favorite of mine. Um, I think it's really interesting to sort of see the the human element behind sort of the chaos side of things. Um, I think it's sort of quite easy to forget that they are the humans, the people um, with very real human emotions. So you've got that nice uh, spectrum of being chaos, but there's like a yeah, yeah, I'm chaos, but I'm not that chaos. Like, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, like why? Why do people like the, the the assumption in the setting is that everyone who leaves the Imperium turns to chaos, and we mm -hmm. do know that there's a lot more. There's a lot of renegades who are just you know whether yep. it's politically or you know defiant to the. We have to remember the Imperium is not a nice place to live. So no. with Hounds of Bedlam, what we explored was the idea of the renegade that has also kind of been split down the middle and has involvement of, of chaos occurring. So you've got a, a <laughs> traitor guardsman platoon, uh, uh, Warforce, that is on one hand has our main character, uh, Rudolph, who is very much about the 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 rebellion the 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 contrast against the imperium but keeping in mind he is also not a nice guy you know it would be very easy to be yep. like oh this is just the robin hood sort of tale and it's not that it is it's people who are definitely motivated by their darker impulses and vendettas and vengefulness and even ways of trying to fill that dark hole within their, their souls by just filling it with more hate and yep. destruction for others um and then you contrast that side of it with the people who have found and tapped into the occult of chaos. You know, you've got, mm -hmm. um, you've got Sebastian, you've got, uh, yep, I was just about to say. you've got people who have now started to dabble their toe and their, their degree of involvement is a spectrum, but now they're starting to receive these gifts from a dark God. And what does that do to their behavior, their autonomy? And, and how does that also influence the way that they, they either wage war or consider their placement in the galaxy? I think Sebastian's a, a great character for, for that exploration as well. Oh yeah, for, for for sure, and I think it's really cool to, especially when you sort of see the interactions between Rudolph and Sebastian. Um, just that, 
how close you can get to chaos before you are just full chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's sort of where that line blurs between uh, like how human are you now? Is it, uh, well, what 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 are you like? Where do you fall within this spectrum? Um, sorry, go on. Oh no, I, I I would argue that the the minute that you're able to turn into a hairless werewolf with crab claws, you've probably <laughs> joined chaos. Yeah. I, I mean, you could say. I mean, obviously, that's not against any of the hairless werewolves with crab claws that are listening right now. If you don't consider yourself chaos, that's fine. No, you can. You um, really don't let our labels, you know, really influence your your life's trajectory. If you just want to be a hairless werewolf with uh, cr- crab claws that maybe is still growing multiple eyes across their body, and you just don't want to consider yourself chaos, that's to you. You know, forge your forge your own path. You know, we're not going to define it for you. you. We're all about diversity. Yeah, you you consider yourself loyalist that's fine um don't know how the uh, inquisition will feel about it but that's, oh they that's won't fine. you know there's already a dispatch team <laughs> headed to your home but don't worry about that you, you do you live your fine, truth i'm not chaos <laughs> live your chaotic full truth fine or not mm-hmm. um for sure i think i think the with with hounds of bedlam i think the one thing that really speaks to me about that series is when i think of trader guardsmen i think of ragtag unruly completely like you know not effective in what they do just like you know just sort of like a whipping boy for the imperium but you portrayed it as like uh militarized effective efficient like unit like and that that was really cool i think the way that you know because you don't you don't really get that in what i've heard of traded guardsmen I think, I think that's a disservice. Like, I mean, what I've heard of Trader Guardsmen traditionally will go to Blood Pact, right? Like, that's probably the most popular one that a lot of people know of. And it's it's a coordinate, you know, war band, right? So mm-hmm. it yeah. kind of makes sense that you're going to fall into that. Oh, they're, they're, corn is both like, you know, blood for the blood god, but also, you know, militaristic, you know, perfection. Not perfection, that's yeah. more Slaneshi, but, but this idea <laughs> yeah. of like, we'll be tactical. And it's about like the art of martial prowess. Martial prowess. Thank you for quoting directly from the uh, the Wikipedia. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, I so when I was looking at that, I'm like, well, what would the other ones look like? Zinch, it just feels like a bit of an uh, a okay. The tactics would be plans upon plots upon ploys. Like it would be very complicated, mm-hmm. and you'd have to do a lot of of work to figure that out. The and there was a little bit of yeah. that influence. Nurgle feels like it would be everyone in this war band is in a trench and they're rotting to all hell. But Slanesh was a very yeah. interesting area because it didn't feel like a natural fit. And at, looking into those sort of mm. hyphens, I'm like, that's what I want to figure out. That's what I want to explore. And so, you know, the, the different um, circles of Slanesh, right. And how you can say, well, what is, you know, Slanesh has the six circles of seduction, I believe. Yep. And so we have, oh gosh, now I'm, I'm put on the spot to remember them. So we have, you know, we have this greed. And so the idea of when they go to war, they're going to be thieving and stealing all the riches, like people out of people's home hordes or their wallets, you know, the, the, you know, those sort of things. We've got, mm-hmm. we've got another form of greed, which is gluttony, which is the idea of like the Slaneshi banquet, like people eating beyond their means, that excess yeah, that yeah, Slaanesh yeah. is known for. So th- when they are at war, they are raiding stock houses. They are, you know, drinking excessively between battles. 
um, the you've got people who are tempted by power. So just joining this war band because it promises them some ability to exact revenge or power in opposition against the Imperium. You've got vanity, which I love. There's yep. this one scene where uh, Rudolph is walking through post post battle, and there's these different soldiers who are kind of like talking a big game of how you know these great accomplishments that they've done. Oh yes, I I've been with the Hounds for a long time, and I spoke with you know the. Uh, our, our commander and it's like he's Rudolph kind of snidely like court, you know, quips to himself. It's like, he's never met the commander. You know, it's just this vanity <laughs> yeah, 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 of, yeah. of just feeling that you're bigger than you are, which I think is a very real emotion to have within the grim dark galaxy of you are a single speck in and insignificant in this galaxy wide void. Of course, the human ego is going to say that that is important. I matter. And then you get to the last ones, which are really the, uh, the there's a sort of peace, actually. Mm. And it's this, the, the waters of like your purpose and will. And that's where you kind of get into perfection. And that's where naturally Rudolph walks up and he, and he sees Sebastian, who is able to reshape his features and his body. So he can either look like a ragged soldier when he needs to, or he can look take on very fair or even in one scene, very effeminate features because there's a, a reason for it, whether it's you know purposeful or if it's like a mm-hmm. muscle reflex, this idea of things have to be perfect and flawless. And that, again, that exce- exceeding what is natural, that's when your traveler's journey down into like the host of Slash, you, you can't come back. You've already gone through all of these luxuries of obsession that now that you've reached this last one it's you you just can't imagine a world without it and those hooks are in you and it's it doesn't contradict it doesn't mean that you're going to be a less effective warrior but it means that when you're talking about a military operation and you're planning and in no 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 direct spoiler but like the 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 opposition that the hounds of bedlam go up against is kind of a, a bit of a reversal of the short film Astartes. Um, you have to really be on yeah. the idea of perfection and planning and how are you going to execute this? And I think that that just made sense to do a Trader Guardsman story about Slanesh, something that I hadn't seen before and was really excited to to yeah. work with the actors um, to, to bring this to the front. Oh, yeah, and, and it is very well done. Um, I, like I said, I, oh. I think it's a personal favorite of mine. Um, I think for me personally, I don't, don't know about you, Jono, but it, it's sort of nice to see uh, a, a slaneshi based story that isn't just about told sexy, sexy Slanesh. It's uh, oh, thank God. It's, uh, I feel it's a, a a point that's maybe slightly overdone in the community. Um, and it's yep. um, yeah, hundred yeah. percent agree. Yeah, I think everyone that's the the sort of tag that comes along when anyone says Slanesh, it's always. It's those memes again, right? Yeah, like it's it's people time. being like, I don't know anything yeah, about the faction, yeah. so all it is is sex, drug, and rock, and, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, I don't exactly. get me wrong. I'm as guilty as anybody for that. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm oh, I, I, I've seen I've seen your computer folders. I mean, like you know, you <laughs> <laughs> leave my folders alone. If you have one called <laughs> drugs, another one called rock and roll. I just haven't found that last folder yet. I know it's in there. I know it's in there. It's in there somewhere. Um, hidden behind the folder that says homework. And um, it's... <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, let's, uh, let's change topics a little bit, shall we? Uh, let's, uh, let's pivot off that. Because I think that, you know, even Drukhari, there's a lot of, like, the, the sexual BDSM and the motivations yep. for there. And I, yep, I think sure. it depends on how you, you come to the hobby of, 
do you, you know, do you want mature adult themes in your 40K? And at what point mm-hmm. to, is it sat- satire, which the setting really was born out of, or what point is it about trying to tell stories that get under people's skin? And I think it's possible to do both. Um, I think that the minute that you inject more mature themes, people are willing to go along for the ride of like, you know, there's a scene where someone is, is tortured and we watch their jaw burst and they're, you know, ripped apart head down and violence. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It's so gratuitous and 40 K, but then you get a, you know, I don't believe in violent for violence sake. There has to be a story reason to, to demonstrate that. And the, yeah, otherwise you can get a little bit lost in all the gore and it just gets a little bit. And, but the minute that you try to inject the conversation about sex, I look at that as saying, well, it's actually a question of intimacy. What is this person, you know, why? why? Is it to fill some sort of emotional void in themselves or is it that mm-hmm. they, they have a thick, uh, like a, a affinity or an infatuation with someone else? But a lot of people, when you say sex and Slanesh or sex and Drukari, get very uncomfortable. And I actually think that that is the right response. I think that those mm-hmm. are supposed to trigger a piece in the audience to be like, ooh, this is something that is whether you have a, a puritanical perspective on it or just something that you think of it as more recreational, let's say, when you involve <laughs> demons and you involve torture, yeah. the natural response is that you're going to look at those and go, that is something that is going to force a recontextualization of what they mean. For a lot of people, this means discomfort. Yeah. I think that from a story that that is actually an apt thing to do. But we know that Games Workshop would steer clear from having a story all about a sex cult. You know, like they're not going to, you're not going to see that book on the shelf anytime soon. (laughs) So I think with with cold open stories, we're at least able to explore more of these examples of, it's not just about shock value. It's about what is the, the story and the motivation behind this? What does it add to the setting? And what does it add to an audience's perspective of, you know, how how you look at a faction? Like, change the faction, you know? Like, let's talk about sex and yeah, yeah, chastity yeah. with the sororitas. Well, that opens a larger, you know, discussion about, you know, faith and, you know, uh, humility and love for the emperor, love for your fellow person. Mm-hmm. Is it within the religious dogma? Like you can, you can just plumb a lot of that for interesting stories. And that's what we've really tried to do is to say, let's do stories worth telling that maybe wouldn't have been given the chance or the life to, to exist otherwise. Because I'm not seeing a Slanesh Trader Guardsman story on a shelf anytime soon. So let's, no. let's, let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think as well. Like you want, I think, instead of shock value and stuff, you want more thought-provoking, you know, content mm-hmm. and themes. So yeah, I think personally, I think yeah, you knocked it out of the park with uh, the Hounds of Bedlam. Fantastic, can't recommend it enough. Yep, hundred and ten percent. So speaking of the Hounds of Bedlam, mm-hmm. um, and so going back to something we were talking about earlier, when it came comes to uh, maybe putting them in model form, have you any uh, any plans? any of the characters from hounds of bedlam in a miniature form uh well i do have a few i was able to i actually received a gift from one of the uh, the cold open series editors of the uh, trader guardsman from blackstone fortress which was just such a a lovely treat to receive uh i have done wow. some some kit bashing oh, cool. i have rudolph i have sebastian um and i've been you know i i did a, a guards uh, a trader guardsman as, as well and what i really came down to is just saying i'm just going to make a few just a couple you know small characters and now i see that we have kriegers coming out some great conversion pits uh parts from <laughs> yeah. there 
And yeah, I, I would love for this to be like a small, a small kill team. Uh, the actual color scheme for them is kind of a, a rusted gray with some blue tones. The the top knots or any of the the fabrics are a purple. And then I've mm-hmm. also got because put it this way, fur makes things fabulous. When we take a look at the Age of Sigmar fantasy line for chaos, like any of like the big, you know, yeah. warriors with like these pelts, I'm like yes. So we throw those on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. So yeah, uh, they they are slowly starting to accumulate on the uh, on the shelf, but uh, they're there. Excellent. That's cool. That's that's so cool. That, that, I want to see him. I want to see Sebastian. I think that's that in miniature yeah. form. He's the character that I really. I sort of want to see. Obviously, like when you listen to stories, you have a a mental image of something. I, I want to see how you, as one of the the core creators of that story, how you envisage Sebastian compared to how I envisage him if that makes yeah. sense well uh, th- there was the 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 recent uh sigmar uh line cursed city has um radicar who the, he's a big werewolf guy and i saw that model i'm like that is gigantic mm-hmm. and i would love to get to that point but also keeping in mind that sebastian's not like a lesser demon you know he's still a guy that has uh he's a flesh shaper which does have yep. some context within the 40k uh, rpg books and so for for him it's about saying well just make sure that you're able to to nail the the consistency of well what would the character reasonably wear you know is is he someone who cares a lot about flourishes is it more practical are there some yep. joints and open pieces where flesh is exposed because at some point that armor is not going to stay on when you're turning your hand into like a crab claw for example or you're mm-hmm. you know you're growing yeah. two additional arms coming off of your back to act as as talons so maybe he doesn't wear a lot of armor on his back cuz he's always running forward into battle he doesn't need any of that on his his rear and so that was kind of the line of thinking when it came to doing the model. And um, I, I'm very selective about the pieces. And so if I go into like a bit mm-hmm. shop, I'll just pick the, the individual pieces, collect all of those, and then make the model. I'm, I'm, I've kind of moved past the idea of just having a giant bits box filled with, with stuff. I would rather just be more yeah. deliberate <laughs> and, and experimental with what I'm trying to put together. Maybe maybe it's fiscal or maybe it's just because I'm sick and tired of having that many shells with tape that say arms, you know, like chaos <laughs> arms, alien <laughs> arms, you know. Yeah, for sure. Although I, I do quite like the idea of having a uh, like my, my personal organization when it comes to bits is just uh, misc. Uh, over here is uh, mm-hmm. the misc pile, and over there is uh, misc number two, but mm-hmm. slightly different. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. My OCD going off the chart hearing that. <laughs> but um, I quite like the idea if you sort of go, oh, I'm, I think I might try and do something for this army. Let's let me just sort of dig around in here. It's like, oh, yeah, let's just try and smush all these together and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, as, a, as, a, as a personal preference, but I've also gone down the route of purchasing specific bits as well. Mm-hmm. Now, when you, like, do you model miniatures, like, for every character from your series so far, or is that a plan? That, or... that is definitely something I would like to have at least the, the protagonist and the villain of each story represented in yeah. form. Um, yeah. so I will um, say that where, where it hit the kind of like head of, all right, was March for Mars. Cause I do have a single night and I'm like, all right, that's it. You know, like that's the biggest single model for an audio drama I'm ever yeah. going to do again. Um, <laughs> but, uh, for, for lights, unfortunately there was one model. I'm like, Oh, I'd love the pieces of that, but it was kind of a, a specialty one, um, uh, for, for our lead character for that. But each one of them, like, and th- this is spoiler territory cause it reveals who the villains are, but like to go, <laughs> you know, jump ahead of a minute. 
but for when all lights have gone out, you know, a Soratos and a Night Lord. That gives mm-hmm. you some great yeah. variety in what you're building and painting. Cog and Crimson, we have oh, a sure, tech yeah. priestess and a, a pirate. You, you can do a, some very interesting civilian stuff with that. However small, mm-hmm. however hidden, you have yeah. a, a civilian and a gene sealer. Okay. Counterfeit blade. You've got a, that's the hardest one, I will admit. Because every mm-hmm. character in that feels like a lead you know you've got your characters in the present you've got your characters in the past you've got your villain and that's the one where i'm like that that it's also a smaller story you know there's excuse me there's only um really five characters yeah yeah. uh whereas hounds of bedlam you've got you know a couple different leads and you have all these supporting characters cog and crimson very much the same when i take a look at any cast list i i kind of humble to remember that we usually have between three to five leads and then up to Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 supporting roles whether they are just a few bit parts or crowds but every single one of those has a name and so every single one of those has a bit of a backstory where i'm like oh but you know if we just get you know this tau operator you know who who helps with one of the suits Maybe they only have two lines, but in my brain, what they do is essential because every character has a beat and an importance. Yeah. So it's oh yeah, for sure. trying to restrain myself actually is the the bigger part because I <laughs> there's there's not enough time in the world. You know, you have to be very uh, very careful with how you spend your your time and your efforts. So if I was to say, you know, what are the essentials for me? Well, I have my Mechanicus army, so you know, uh, Cog and Crimson mm-hmm. has representation. I would love to have you know a few models from from each story, but. Uh, maybe that's what I'm going to do right after the call. I'm just going to hop onto the bits shop and do some obligatory ordering. Because, you know, Kill Team, it's going to be a lot easier yeah, to, yeah. to, to fit those is. in. <laughs> so um, are you, are, when are we going to see the newsreader model? Then? How are you going to go with that one? Uh, that one is uh, probably going to end up pulling <laughs> from the, the old Cities of Sigmar line. Um, I, I already, yeah. I would already have some pieces in, in mind for that, but I do agree. Yesterday's Ooh. news is a little bit more, we will say the, the model line upon which they would be based would be a little more, um, inconspicuous to then say like mm-hmm. Hunter's watch where it's like, yeah. congratulations, you've built a new version of a battle suit, you know, because the tower <laughs> always iterating, iterating <laughs> and improving and creating new things. So yeah, yeah. that's a little bit different. I think yesterday's news could be like a cool little diorama piece. I I, I love when I go on Instagram and people have built dioramas, whether it's like, you know, a model coming through a glass window or something like that. But uh, just yeah. these like moments in time and these these pieces, I, I love that. I just, I don't have the the brain power to to try to put together some of these <laughs> sets, like how people take the terrain features. And, and those are models. Let's keep in mind, like it's not just about mm-hmm. figures, it's sets and terrain are a model design field. I don't have a better word yeah. for it in their own sense. Like you could do some really incredible stuff. And I know that anytime I walk through like a home decor shop and they've got like a, a, a human face or like a bust or something like that. I now just want to be like, Oh, but that could be an Imperial statue. And I could put like cogs all oh, over yeah. it and, and do like <laughs> scaffolding. And, and, and my brain now goes that way because I've been conditioned by Instagram <laughs> to think that way, which is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea actually. I like the scaffolding around a statue idea. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. We got our homework today. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. For yeah. sure. <laughs> oh wow. I'll tell you one um one that sort of hit me as well that I was I think surprised that I enjoyed, which may sound a little odd, but it's the um the counterfeit blade um because Eldar have never really spoken to me like they don't really I don't know they, they never really grabbed me if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 
genuinely loved that story. I think the um, especially the antagonist in it. He um, his uh, his presence in there is very well done. I, I I have heard similar feedback that Counterfeit Blade is the Eldar story for people that didn't like Eldar. And really getting into <laughs> what makes them interesting because I think a lot of the time Eldar are these sort of mysterious, eldritch, old, aloof, arrogant mm-hmm. elf archetype, and we forget that they are also dealing with this battle of obsession. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, as someone, so I I have very severe ADHD, which probably also explains my 40k output. But um, when I think of the the Eldar, I, uh, different writers have said, you know, are they all effectively hyper emotional teenagers? And I say I take a, a little bit of that. And we've, Black Library authors have said this in interviews is that's how they view them. And I look at that and I say, well, I also see them as people who have this strong wire in the back of their brain or the gear in the back of their brain that doesn't let them be anything other than restless and Mm. hyper focus and now you have to pull that back because otherwise you are going to lose control of your your power whereas humanity it's a little bit more monastic of like you know uh you have to be pure and you have to be you know uh, almost like a, a monk in your your daily life in the imperium because our rigid structural system i find that eldar struggles are a lot more internalized and there are a lot more to do with their personal obsessions. So within that drama, we have the character of Ben Aruin, who is uh, played by Elizabeth Plant. She's on this journey to try to reconnect with her past, to try to find some hope for the, the elder, which we know are this dying race. And her journey becomes very personal. And she has moments where she is kind of like, there's a surge of anger and frustration that she then has to kind of like breathe, cool down, you know, put that, put that to the back of your mind. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, they are very motivated by these impulses. And so by being able to then cross timelines back to the ancient Eldari, where we have uh, Jairiela, um and Lanthralak, two characters, it's pre-fall. You can, you can just make them as... <laughs> as morose and somber and emo as you wish, or you can make them as furious (laughs) and um, upstart or reckless because the Eldar have not gone through that, that humbling of the birth of, of Slanesh yet. And then you also get the character of Amoratai, the, the Necron tier slash Necron who is chewing scenery played by Nick Gossage, who just, is so arrogant. Like you think Eldar he's so and arrogant spirit, he's he's really just like <laughs> I am the best. You know, like, uh, and but you also yeah. get a piece of something in that story is, do Necron feel? And yes. I I don't yes. argue that it's a sense of emo- like emotional feeling, but they have memories that allow them to preempt a thought. And so when we have the ancient past return, like those memories returning in the future for that character we're able to say, well, maybe there is a hint of something that could be considered emotion and feeling um, because we know that Necron do have personal motivations, although their they souls are, okay. have been ripped from their, their bodies, but everyone kind of gets a moment to shine in that story. And <clears throat> because Xenos as a, as an army across all of 40 K are often kind of set up as the punching bag for the Imperium. It is nice yep, yep. To, to have a story that's actually just between two Xenos races where no humanity is involved and they can just deal with their own, you know, their own baggage. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think Necron is another one of those. And again, you, again, you could do this with every faction, but I think Necron's one where people think they're just personality-less robots and that's it. Mm-hmm. But the, the the Necron Lords, they they... Uh, they have their memories. They have their personality. 
from when they were flesh and bone. Um, and that's and they they believe that the galaxy belongs to them as a as a right, mm-hmm. and that that arrogance and that sort of um, I don't know uh, narcissistic self uh, lovingness uh, really does sort of shine through. Uh, with that one, and I, I don't think you see enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, from like when you sort of see homebrew uh, Necron armies, like I, I want to see more of that. You know, they have crazy armor. They've gone for a crazy design because the Necron Lord that is leading this uh, this dynasty is is so arrogant that he he believes himself to be uh, perfection. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's to say that he's wrong? You know, a lot of his technology is still like <laughs> incredibly impervious and. <laughs> yeah, but- but it's it's not it's not a battle that ends up and this is again we're talking spoilers but for Amorati it's actually not a physical battle that kind of gets him in the end it's you some of the stories like okay we're also going to trick him we're going to get him to walk into this this sort of forge fire or we're you know uh, going to get him to walk through a focusing ring and none of that works you know like none of and and the mm-hmm. great thing about Eldar is they're able to quickly think and adapt and they're because their brains are always churning and it still doesn't work and the thing that ends up getting him in the end is a bluff and there's yep. something that it feels very realistic to a character who is all about their arrogant and feeling that they are you know bigger than life and they are incredible being kind of shaken at their foundations and bluffed and mm-hmm. being lied to and believing it and i think that there's also something to be said about the eldar and their roots of storytelling which exists between the drukari remembering the craft worlds always having these tales within their aspect shrines and even the harlequins turning their stories into yeah. performance that is their legacy and their history their story is a form of weapon it's a form of armor it gives them something to shield themselves against the galaxy it gives them reassurance but it also gives them a bit of a inheritance of you know you've gone through so much you've you've had so many poor successes but you the elder race are inheritors of a race that was once proud and majestic and and powerful Mm -hmm. you remember those stories it's not all lost you are still able to maybe cling on to that and hold on to that and maybe have a a good day in the the future future ahead which with again you then pivot in the next story is there a punching bag for the imperium so it's like oh maybe not this day but (laughs) one day for sure sure. one day one day um yeah and i think an interest sorry yeah i think uh, an interesting thing with the necron as well is uh, you sort of talk about bluffing um this necron lord i always sometimes feel with the necron as well they sort of there's this sort of air of "Eh, fine walk away i'll lose this one yeah, but I'm eternal. I'll I'll just come back in a million years. I'll come back in a, a billion years. I'll be here when all of this is is nothing. See, it, it works so. very well when you know that there's a resurrection barge just on the horizon. But when it's not, and you can bluff, <laughs> and the bluff actually carries some consequence in the mind of the person being bluffed, that works. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, yeah. you know, if there was a resurrection barge three feet away, it'd be like, uh, doesn't matter. You know, we saw that yeah, that happened, yeah, yeah. and there was there were some scenes that were kind of cut on the uh, left on the cutting room floor of where. It's almost like uh, Agent Smith from The Matrix where it's like you kill one and he pops up and another one shows up. And so this Necron originally was able to kind of like jump bodies very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel... That's cool. It didn't feel earned for then, you know, the the pride he has in his his final body, I will say, that goes into hibernation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it, there's just a lot of great stuff that you can plumb with... Uh, with Necron, and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, we've we've kind of transitioned from a lot of Imperial stories, and we're doing a lot of Xenos now. You can imagine Necron kind of getting their their time in the sun. Um, 
sometime yeah. in the future. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. It'd be, um, yeah, be nice to see something definitely. from a, sort of the Necron tier um, era. That would be. I be think fun. that that is such a rich time for them. Uh, whether it's done as a flashback, as a memory, or or in that moment, I think that you know my my approach would be really looking at the you know the the, the time of, of great pain, the harvest when all everyone's being kind of pushed into the forge is such a great ah you know like it's just very yeah, rich yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's rich and terrifying and and for people who actually do really like necron they want to kind of you know, delve into that we have um we have stories on on the website as well um we have awoken by uh, tim um albrich and we also have uh, destroyer by uh, mark hamilton and i th- think um specifically specifically destroyer does play with that mm-hmm. s- split between time of what it's like before you are a mindless drone and what you can remember and what you can't. Um, there's something for every faction uh, on coldopenstories.com. If you're not hearing it, you can definitely find it and read it, whether it's part of the anthology collection or the 1,000-word fast fiction contest, which that's a five-minute read. Like, you're, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're making yourself a bite to eat. You're on transit. You know, we've got something for you. There's definitely something that can occupy a little bit of your time between uh, between modeling. Yeah, for sure. And I think if, um, if you can't find what you're wanting to read, then crack out the old laptop and uh, get typing make it absolutely think, um, really where this all comes it, from if, if you're not yeah. if you're not seeing the stories that you want to hear you almost have a bit of an obligation to yourself to really be like well what could that be what you know what can i do and a lot of people are nervous about starting out you know like ooh, can i you oh know? for sure but put it this way <clears throat> when you do anything for the first time it's going to be crap let's be fair like oh yeah the very yeah, first yeah. time you do anything like <laughs> go to the gym you're already going to be able to do 100 push-ups probably not Unless you're swole, in which case, congratulations, I'm going to a different gym than you. But like, because I'll be intimidating. But but <laughs> like, but if if we're talking about doing anything creative, your your interests are always going to be one step ahead of your taste. But as you get better at, at your your skills and your talent, and your tastes are growing and growing and growing, you're not even going to recognize all those successes behind you of where you've come from and and mm-hmm. you know the, the the abilities that you've grown. You're just always going to be looking at what, what can I do now that's different? What can I do that's you know pushing me or challenging me? And if you aren't doing that, if you aren't doing something that's challenging you, whether it's painting a model or writing a story or or acting, that should be a wake up call of hmm, maybe it's time to actually just pivot and try something a little bit different because it is then going to pay dividends in all of the other creative efforts that you do. One hundred percent. I know that's a big thing that we sort of push here is that you know you've got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't get better at something by not doing it. Um, you know, you don't become uh, the world's next best uh, rapper by not not doing a rap. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying, Jono? Oh God, please don't, don't. If, if you're trying to angle, it's all right. It's fine. No, no, it's oh, fine. I'm not segueing. It's cool. Oh, it's now, right. This is it's a story cool. all about how his. <laughs> oh God, I fell right into that one. Bob Bob has a forte. He he is a strictly music expert, and he's using this podcast to launch his rap career. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I am 100. percent using it to uh, to push my musical my musical boundaries. You're just like um, sitting around. You're like, all right, what rhymes with Necron? Drawn, gone, on. Yeah. You're like you're just trying to get your beats together. <laughs> all right, what what rhymes with Scarab? Nothing rhymes with scarab. <laughs> cherub. All right. So the Imperium's got cherubs, and this, this is a scarab. And you're like, ah, this is your your musical career is going to turn, um, you know, Dang. take off. It's, sounds like you're better at this than than I am. But like I say, you don't get better at uh, rapping by not rapping. Do you know There's going to be a West scarab. Coast East Coast sort of battle that's going to emerge from this podcast. You know, it's going to be oh, oh for sure over the pond. Uh-huh. That's what's going to happen. Real West Coast. I'm very far. 
and I'm very bang smack in the middle of the UK. Hashtag Yorkshire. Um, <laughs> I'm just having flashbacks of how you sit through Rob Bob's raps. Don't mind me. Uh, yeah, it's all right. You enjoy it. You enjoy those flashbacks. Um, <laughs> yeah, enjoy were, is one enjoy. way of putting it. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. We had positive feedback. Okay, I think I think John actually, uh, John, you you prefer the the term not flashbacks. You prefer the term invasive thoughts. <laughs> Really pushes home how those feel. Yeah, waking up screaming. Yeah. Just, ah. so, fantastic. Anyway, we segued slightly there. That was, um, that was a hell of a segue. Uh, that's all we do best here. Oh, for sure. So, um, my question to you then, Colin, is: out of all of the the tales that you have you have told so far, which is your favorite? Um, you're a jerk. Uh, I think that each of the stories. Uh, is a favorite for a different reason um, because there was always a sort of, you know, initiative to try something different. If I was to mm-hmm. say that what I'm working on currently isn't my favorite, that's a problem because I should be very excited by what I'm working on. Um, yep. there, but I'm very much the sort of person who's proud of what they've created. Maybe not as much in the moment that they're working on it. There's just a lot more dread and anxiety about the thing I'm working on. But I will say that every project, there's something that I'm, I'm in the middle of that I'm like, this is going to be the best one yet. Or I at least have to tell myself that to, you know, not be crushed under the overwhelming, uh, self-doubt that many artists have. I will say that the, the ones that obviously have a lot of meaning, um, a cog in crimson, um, because mm-hmm. there's an actual like model range sitting, you know, inches away from my, my computer, I would say, uh, that exists in that particular way. Lights, uh, have gone out because it was the first long form. It wasn't like, you know, a 20 minute, it was like a 45 minute journey. Like there's, yeah, there's yeah, a, yeah. it was also the one we were nominated for the Audioverse awards. Um, so all of these have different favorites for, for different reasons. I mean, however small, however hidden, I had an amazing collaborator with Stephen Rhodes. Counterfeit Blade is very personal to me. Hounds of Bedlam, we we just went to another level when it came to sound design for mm-hmm. for that one. Yesterday's News, working with Daniel Somerville, another collaboration. March for Mars, you know, it was our first one without internal monologue. It was entirely just based on the action. Satellite 66B, it was a pilot. How can you not love the very first thing that you did for, yep, for yep, a while? Yep, and then for sure. Hunter's Watch uh, right now, and then three uh, three chances. Uh, our Drakari one coming up right after that. Like They're going to be favorites, but always for, for different reasons. What a fantastic answer. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant one. Dodging, dodging um, the question completely. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you've... You've, um, you've you've brought something up that I think I think it's important for everybody to sort of really get an understanding from because I think a lot of the time when you hear especially like what what you produce um, it it's so professional sounding when I mean, you talk about that um, that artistic self doubt um, I know I feel it I feel it when when I paint something you know when you pop it onto Instagram I, I feel it when when we do this when we do our episodes I think you know you have those moments of Oh, gosh, is this is this good enough? Is this enough? Um, what do you do to get through that to stop it from stopping you? Um, I just keep working. Like I think that when those moments of of doubt pop up, um, the thing that I keep in mind is: Am I proud of what I'm working on? I, I mm-hmm. there's an interesting, and so this is going to like date the episode a bit, but um, there's an interesting discourse <laughs> going on right now about um, fan creators' placement in the IP sphere of Games Workshop. And, yep. And for myself, um, I think that there is an interesting relationship between audience and creator. 
it is also one that gets muddled when um, monetization and finances become involved. Everything yeah. that is done with cold open stories, there is no coffee, there is no Patreon, there is no PayPal. This is all deliberate for the reason of saying what we're doing is is art for art's sake and fandom mm-hmm. for love of the material. When I think of each of these stories, I am really just saying, is it something that I feel pushed me as a creator? And is it something that I'm happy with? Um, some people say, you know, write for your audience. Let's be fair. I am not chasing a YouTube algorithm to be, you know, in the, in the top following cold open yep. stories yep. does not have, you know, you couldn't turn on and say, Oh wow, look at this. It's like the, the audio book, um, YouTube channel reader number 452, right? Like s- some, some are good. Some actually like re, you know, really build immersion, but mm-hmm. it is also a person reading a story. That's not what I'm I'm interested in. I'm very much more mm-hmm. interested in creating scenes and character and drama with a full cast and sound effect design. It's it, it's a different production. It means that it's not going to come out every day to be on top of the algorithm. Yeah. The thing combine that with there's no money involved. Combine that with I just want to make sure that I'm putting out the best artistic product. That is how I actually get past that sort of dread and like, ooh, is it good enough? Is I stop worrying about the audience, which is a rude thing yeah. to say to to listeners, but it's, I stop worrying about like, no, no, what the what the expectation is. I say, well, what is it? Is it going to thrill me? Is it going to betray my expectations? Is it going to get me excited? And where I really doubled down on that one was with uh, the counterfeit blade because people mm-hmm. have very different impressions of what the Eldar should be. And even before that, actually, with when all lights have gone out with the Soratos, I'm like, well, I like the idea of the Soratos in their founding years. And some people do not like that story because they're not these like super, like just unthinking, almost like Lady Terminators, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't care. I, I, if you were to say that, you <laughs> know, that yeah. it's it's cold open <laughs> stories, vision of what Warhammer Forty Thousand can be, there's a sort of sense of, oh, well, that's that's not canon or that's not. Uh, right or that's not how I interpret them. My response to that is go write the story the way that you want to envision them or go read the content that's out there. But mm-hmm. there is some gatekeeping involved on in what a, a faction or a character or franchise can be. And I think that with with fandom it is both a great thing to support new voices because people like it when it's done well, right? Like a lot of people have been yep. like, wow, Trader Guardsman, Slanesh, this is like incredible. Like this is, you know, it, it, you guys have enjoyed it. I get a lot of feedback about that one specifically. Mm-hmm. However, would you argue that a lot in there is, you know, canon? Does it matter? Does, you know, like what of it makes it a Trader Guardsman story? Because there's not a lot of representation. It's the same way that you could you could lie. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could say, oh yeah, the... Um, the the five holy orders of the uh, the mechanicus and then someone goes actually there's only four you know well there is this sort of argument of it's a setting not a story so yeah. with 40k yeah. you could say oh yes but actually a fifth one was born up in this timeline at this segment and some people really don't like that <clears throat> because you're just you're adding paint to a painting that may have otherwise felt perfect but in the same respect if you're like well we're doing a trader guardsman story it's about slanesh and it adds to the setting People are very quick to turn and say, well, I like this because it adds something. I don't like this because it contradicts. You as a listener and audience have to to say, well, what adds and what contradicts for you? What works in your headcanon? And that's all I'm trying to do is write stories that feel like they are hitting the, the yeah, a lot of the plot points and, and what's established. But 
I also write with the perspective of saying, well, I also want to push the setting forward. That's why Hunter's Watch is set in the current, you know, advancing 40K timeline of we're getting mm-hmm. some battle suits that don't have numbers in the model range. We're doing some stuff that is is different and, and creative because it suits the story that we want to tell. If you want to tell Sorotas yeah, yeah. living in M37, they're not going to be the same as M40. Do yeah, it. Nope. It's a different setting. And one group may not be the same as the next group as well. And I think when it comes to being canon and being canonical, mm-hmm. um, you, if you if you actually spend the time reading the source material and doing your research, you can pretty much argue whatever you want because there's enough throwaway lines and enough of the, the canon stories to um, go, ah, well, actually, no, because if you look at this particular segment and you reference it and you, um, it's, yeah, you can argue whatever you want. Um, so to say something is right or wrong, especially within 40k, um, is I don't know, a, little, a little bit narrow-minded for me. Uh, I think it, it's too open. Mm-hmm. And there's there are, is enough contradictions to say that it depends on who's telling the story. Understanding that the codexes may differ from the books, and and we are seeing this a lot now with the Siege of Terra series. That yep. some pre-established stories actually have a lot more. You know, what's true versus what's the way that we tell the stories after, and. I, I think that there's something great to that, you know, pu- pu- push people's buttons, uh, not mm. arbitrarily so, but to, to yeah, say, no, but... force them to recontextualize and be like, well, what is the important thing about this? You know, why, yeah, why yeah. is this cool? Bring it back to what is the motivation? What makes this interesting to you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're not talking about trolling here. I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's uh, our forte, but um, yeah, put like expand your thinking. Like open your mind a bit, um, you know. You never know what might fall in. Absolutely. Um, sure. Um, gosh, been talking for quite a while. <laughs> I've just completely lost my train of thought. We're an, yeah, we're and we're still we're still. St- st- I feel like there's so much that you can still talk about with 40k and, and always find something new, unique to to discuss. I mean, yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, I mean, I, obviously we can talk 40k for, for literal hours, days, weeks, months. Um, but is there any final... It's like we could talk about for forever, questions. but be real, Colin. We got to wrap this up. Is there one more? Yeah, got to wrap it up. Final piece of, <laughs> uh, I, I would say uh, the only way that you're going to be able to experiment with anything is if you actually just sit down and give it a try. And it's going to suck the first time because you're learning, you're doing, just do it anyway. Get it out of your system. Get all that anxiety yep. and self-doubt and excuses that you might be making to not try. Just do it. You're not getting any younger. You know, the, the whole world it might seem <laughs> crazy right that. now. Well, yeah, I'm aging backwards. I'm ben- Benjamin Button. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but just just give it a shot. And there are also people out there who are really interested in seeing you take that leap, whether it's the, the fast fiction contest, the anthology, Mm -hmm. the voice acting, casting calls. There are people like with the the team at cold open stories. We want to actually see people give it their shot and we want to help kind of steer them into that uh, to ways to, of providing support, whether it's editorial or coaching or whatnot. We we want to see you do good. That's my, that's my wisdom. Sure. Love it. I know. Right. So wholesome, um, and I think I I support that hundred and ten percent. And if you are wanting to do something crazy, like um, I know we we saw some suggestions for a, a Nurgle uh, GSC, uh, which is perfectly lorical, canonical. It's all fine. Again, throwaway lines. Um, if you want to do something crazy, and you're maybe worried that it's not canon, or you're worried that people will judge you, um, get in touch with us. Well, um, I'll happily prove that it's fine. Um, that's <laughs> Hobby Happy Hour on Instagram. Hobby Happy Hour. Oh, Wonderful. 
It's so creepy when you say it like that. It does it creeps me out? Um, yeah, just bouncing off what Colin said, <laughs> like with you know, trying new things and like you know, don't 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 be afraid to fail. I think I think you learn a lot more from failing than you do from like getting it perfect the first time. Failing forward is a guiding exactly. principle. Really, yeah, that's that's that has to be one of my favorite quotes. I was I was gonna try. Not throw it in, but yeah, fail forward. Oh no, I I knew it was coming. I just wanted to beat you to it. Yeah, oh, god damn it. This is this because of the martial prowess <laughs> thing. I'm so sorry. A hundred percent. I was just it was ready the whole time. I just had it in my back. <laughs> yeah, fail forward. One of the best quotes you'll ever hear. Mm-hmm. Gosh, ah, that's it then, guys. Um, any last words from anybody else? Any final questions anybody wants to throw out before we wrap this up? Thanks for listening. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, short fiction anthology. Actually, the deadline for that, it's closing today. So by the time people hear this, that's going to be uh, uh, be closed up. The next one will be opening in a few short weeks. So those are some longer form stories. But our next uh, mm-hmm. fast fiction writing contest opens in August. And people will be able to catch the theme for that at the top of the month. Woo. Awesome. Well, I've been Bob. And I've been uh, Jono. I've been Colin. Excellent. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for listening. I was just saying. I was just saying that this one is entirely on me. Uh, that was a big ups on my part. Quick, you know, Bob, gun to your head. The yeah, mine immediately goes blank. Oh my god! Oh my god! Bishop, no! Get away from her, you bitch! But, this uh, podcast right now is just you know they're sharing it with someone. They're watching them sharing with them, you know. And then uh, somebody's watching them, and it's, uh, and then it's and then we're watching them. It, it's this weird. It's, it's this cyclical. <laughs> Yeah, send that to uh, inquiries at lorehammer.com. <laughs>